Hebrews this morning. The book of Hebrews, chapter number 12 this morning. If you're physically able, let's stand, stretch your legs, and honor the reading of God's Word this morning. Hebrews, chapter number 12. And I want to I preach on a subject today that um, I don't know that I've ever dealt with individually. I have most definitely mentioned it. I have um, at times even run a quick rabbit on this subject, but as far as preaching on a particular this particular subject, I don't think I ever have. And uh, in eight years, it's not that I've avoided it, it's just that uh, I don't, the Lord's never made me deal with it. But this morning, I want to preach on bitterness. I want to preach on bitterness this morning. And I, I, I was out of town, as y'all know, this past week, and uh, on that second night, I, the Lord changed uh, one of the points in that mess. I've preached it several times now. But that third point, He completely shifted it and changed it in my heart. And, uh, and, and, and then from there, God just kept nailing my heart with this subject of bitterness. And uh, I think if God would help us this morning, I believe somebody here probably needs to hear what the Lord has to say, what His Word has to say. And uh, what I, here's what I know about bitterness. Uh, a lot of times people have it and they don't want to acknowledge it. Yeah. Uh, bitterness is one of those things that dwells there so long and after a long period of time, if you're not careful, you will, uh, it'll become a part of you. And you'll forget that it's even there. And you have pushed it in the corners for so long that you think it's no longer a problem. But I'm here to tell you something this morning. According to God's Word, bitterness will absolutely kill you. It will hold you back. It will hinder you from the work of the Lord and the will of God for your life. And uh, so if God will help us, that's what we're going to deal with. Hebrews chapter number 12. Look in verse number 15 this morning. Hebrews Chapter number 12 and verse number 15. If you're there, say amen. amen. The Word of God said, Looking diligently, lest any man fail of the grace of God, lest any root of bitterness springing up trouble you, thereby many be defiled. Again, let's read. Lest any root of bitterness springing up trouble you, and thereby many be Defiled. If the Lord will help us today, that's what we'll preach on, that one word, bitterness. Father, we love you and we thank you, Lord, for this day. We thank you, Lord, for the opportunity to be in your house. Now, God, I stand here, Lord, I need your help. Uh, Lord, I need you to speak to hearts as only you can. Lord, I, uh, Lord, in, at times when I preach on things such as this, I feel so foolish. Lord, my flesh tells me that this is not a problem. My my eyes look out and see that nobody appears to have this issue. But God, this is what you've put in my heart. And therefore, God, I know that it needs to be dealt with today. And I pray, God, that I would not say or do anything to hinder the moving and the work of the Holy Ghost. Lord, I pray that you'd speak to me this morning and through me this morning. Please, Lord, give me power and unction, God, to be able to preach on this subject with grace and Lord season me, Lord, with mercy and wisdom and power. And God, for what you do in this place for your people, I'll be the first to thank you. In Jesus' name and for his lovely sake. And all the Lord's people said, Amen and Amen. You may be seated this morning. If I could, by way of introduction, I want you to know it is here in our text where the Hebrew writer has made mention of something that 
I firmly believe to be one of the most common issues in the hearts and lives of struggling Christians today. May I say the subject at hand today has been placed upon my heart as I firmly believe that those of you here in this room today have either dealt with this issue in the past or you are dealing with this issue in the present or most certainly you will be faced with this problem in the future. Bitterness is something that we have all encountered or are encountering at this present time. May I say this morning that bitterness works like this. It is the poison that you drink in hopes that it'll kill someone else. Can I get a witness this morning? Bitterness is the poison that you will drink in hopes of killing someone else. In other words, when you're bitter about something or with someone and you hold ill feelings and you hold grudges and you hold and you, you hope for hurt or harm on others or towards them. In reality, my friend, you are the one suffering uh, the hurt and the harm. Is everybody following what I'm trying to say? When you're bitter, you wish bad on something or someone. You hold resentment in your heart. You are uh, overcome by an ill feeling or an emotion or a grudge as we uh, like to call it. And if you're not careful, you will wish hurt and harm on those who have hurt and harmed you. But in reality, bitterness, it does not harm them. Can I get a witness? It harms you. Uh, may I say this morning, bitterness is often covered up or hidden in our text. Notice verse number 15. The Bible said, looking diligently, lest any man fall of the grace of God, lest any, what's it say? Any root of bitterness. Can I say this morning that bitterness has a root. Every problem I believe goes back to uh, the root if you will. What? How many of y'all heard this? Say this. Live by this. You want to get down to the root of the problem. Well, uh, in bitterness it is the same thing. You uh, have a root attached and here's what uh, we all know about roots. Can I say a root abides and resides below the surface. Uh, can I say it goes unseen by others, but its fruit will eventually be seen by all. The Bible said that this root of bitterness over time, it will spring up. And notice what the Word of God said in verse number 15, springing up trouble you and thereby many be defiled. May I say just like a root, bitterness will grow in the darkness. As a matter of fact, bitterness thrives in the hidden realm. It is designed to do so. May I say this morning all throughout the Bible, bitterness is found in connection with these types of things. If you're taking notes, you can write these verses down. We find that bitterness is attached to weeping in 1 Samuel chapter 1. Yeah. 
Verse number 10, bitterness is attached and connected to weeping in 1 Samuel 1, 10. Bitterness is attached and holds hands with death in 1 Samuel 15, 32. Bitterness is attached to death in 1 Samuel 15, 32. Bitterness is found in the same conversation as the word devour or the process of devouring. You can find that in 2 Samuel chapter 2. Verse number 26. We find bitterness is connected to the word anguish in Job chapter number 7, verse number 11. I'm going somewhere, but you may need to write these down. Bitterness is connected to weariness in Job chapter number 10, verse number 1. Bitterness is associated with weariness in Job chapter number 10, verse number 1. We find that bitterness is related to foolishness in Proverbs chapter 17 verse number 25. Bitterness is attached to foolishness in Proverbs 17 verse 25. We find bitterness in relation to both weeping and wailing in the same verse in Ezekiel chapter 27 verse number 31. Bitterness is attached to both weeping and wailing in one verse and that is Ezekiel 27 verse 31 but lastly uh, well next to last we find bitterness is also uh, found uh, in relation to a bond of iniquity the Bible lets us know this in Acts chapter number 8 verse number 23 the bond of iniquity in Acts chapter number 8 verse number 23 but here's the last one and maybe one that we all probably know Uh, the Bible lets us know that bitterness is attached it is connected to these things all in one verse it is connected to wrath it is uh, in relation with anger it produces a clamor and evil speaking and it will instill malice. Where do you find that? Ephesians chapter 4 verse 31. In Ephesians chapter 4 verse number 31, bitterness again is attached to wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking and malice. And my friend, that's exactly where some of you have been currently on or will end up if you do not allow God to help you overcome bitterness. Uh, can I say because uh, bitterness stems from the root. That uh, that root must be destroyed this morning. How many of y'all know uh, we got little bushes over here on both sides of the steps uh, in, our, in the brick church building next door. Uh, we've cut them things down I don't know how many times. I mean I'm talking about flat ain't we deep. I'm talking about bus cut them things to the ground. But if you walk out there this morning guess what you're going to see. Uh, them ugly things is back bush stuff. They're about high as the porch is out there. And guess what we're going to do right before door to God. Right before the pollen comes and spring comes. By the way, it's just right around the corner. Somebody shout glory to God. Hallelujah. It's coming. Amen. But 
midnight before it comes, uh, guess what we're probably going to do? We're going to get a chainsaw. We're going we're to buzz cut them things. We're going to cut them off at the ground. But guess what? By next spring, what will be there? Them stinking bushes will be back. Why? Because we have not pulled them up by the root. Are you listening to me this morning? Uh, may I say bitterness? Oftentimes, uh, uh, too many times, people will try to get bit, uh, rid of bitterness by cutting down the fruit of the root. Uh, uh, but guess what? Over time, it springs back up again. What is the fruit of the root? Well, it's the things that you can see. Uh, can I say we don't see the little seed when we plant corn? We cover that up. But that seed takes root. Come on somebody, help me this morning. That seed will take root and then from that root will spring a little stem a, a little sprout, a little blossom and next thing you know there's a whole big corn stalk and it's produced fruit. Well, we can go out there and cut that thing down but guess what's still in the ground? Same with a tree or a flower or anything else. It's the root of a problem that must be dealt with. Notice this. While there is much to be said throughout the entire Bible and we'll look in several places today about bitterness. I want you to see right here in our verse that there is two important warnings about bitterness. Look at verse number 15. Right off the bat we find two warnings, two uh, two cries made against bitterness and what it can do. Look at verse number 15. The Bible said lest any root of bitterness springing up. Now if you write in your Bible underline these next two words trouble you. And there's a comma and then we find the word and that's a continuation notice then what it says thereby many be defiled so what does right in our just our text verse what does bitterness do well first of all bitterness will in fact trouble you uh, can I say you can you can wear a smile just as good as uh, the, the just as good as anybody you know uh, you can shake hands you can sing in the choir you can sit in your pew you can you can pray the Lord. I'm not saying it's all even in vain, uh, but deep down on the inside, you are troubled. Uh, and sometimes people push this, uh, this trouble, this bitterness. They they push it away and they push it away and they push it away. And I started off with this statement. Eventually, to the point that they they really neglect the the, the, the reality that it's there. Uh, but may I say this morning, uh, if you're not careful, you will live a troubled life. And you do not have to this morning, but you'll live a troubled life because of bitterness. But then secondly, in our verse, we find that it also says not only will this root of bitterness spring up and trouble you, but the Bible said that it will defile others. Many, the Bible said, will be defiled. Uh, can I say that there's people right now this morning, uh, you have suffered from someone else's bitterness. Uh, maybe it was a mother or a father. Maybe it was being raised up and they were bitter. Maybe maybe some, somebody here this morning, uh, their father, their mother died maybe uh, at an early age and it made the other parent bitter and you caught the end of that bitterness. It, it wasn't necessarily connected to you but you were affected by their bitterness. Listen to me this morning. Uh, I'm here to tell you the quickest way to negatively affect the church and throw a wet rag on the fire that may be burning within the body of Christ is to hold on to bitterness. My friend, it will defile others. Can I say the root of 
something determines the outcome. A, a bad root, guess what a bad root will produce? A bad root will produce bad fruit. There's no two ways about it. You can't have a bad root and have a good fruit. But you can have a good root and will produce good fruit. If the Lord will help us, that's what we're preaching on today, bitterness. So what is bitterness, Brother Josh? Well, the Webster's 1828 defines bitterness like this. Bitterness, according to Webster, is a bitter taste. It produces a sharpness or a sour taste. Examples would be a lemon. Any of y'all, uh, ever, any of y'all ever been out to eat? You ever go out to eat with us every now and then? Uh, we, we will torture our children uh, because we like to get lemon with our water. And if you're like me, uh, the, the sweet and low, amen, we, we just makes myself feel better, make lemonade and feel like I'm going to lose 30 pounds. Amen. And so we'll order lemonade if you will and they'll bring out a big bowl of lemons and I, I don't necessarily do it but my mom sometimes she's with she'll grab them things brother Dax he'll grab them things and eat them it's cause they they, they, they they ain't got sin but anyway they'll start eating them things and, and next thing you know somebody decides let's let the baby try the lemon and they'll put that lemon up to the baby's mouth and it'll it'll get a big old uh, draw off that lemon hey man think about cigarette smoking it'll draw off that lemon and next thing you know them eyes the water and that nose curls up and Emma goes like this right here it's sour and it's sharp to their taste I, I begin to think about times in my life when I would have a bitter taste in my mouth I'll never forget but one time I uh, I believe it was at my mamaws and papaws if I remember correctly and uh, just had an itch for a, for a good old cold glass of milk and so I opened that refrigerator and I, I got that 2% milk out whatever it was and I filled that glass plum full and uh, boy I, I just couldn't wait I was needing some milk and I opened my mouth and poured that thing in there and got my mouth about half full and felt like I had dressed just drank a liquid dead body. Uh, the milk had been expired uh, uh, for God knows how long. You know what that thing was? It was bitter. I remember two hours, three hours later, uh, still tasting that awful taste in my mouth. Can I say that's how some of y'all feel uh, this morning? You may not, you may have it hidden. Uh, the roots are covered, uh, but when you think about a certain somebody, it's still bitter to your taste. It's still sharp. It's still sour. It's, it's still something that uh, brings you uh, pain and infliction and, and anger to your life. Uh, uh, can I say when bitterness dwells within you, it will always produce a negative reaction. Uh, what is the reactions of bitterness? Well, it's hostility. It's resentment. It's anger. It's hatred. That's what bitterness produces. Uh, can I say whatever is on the inside will eventually work itself out. Uh, my friend, bitterness resides inwardly, but the reaction is always outwardly. Everybody pick up what I'm throwing down. Bitterness resides on the inside, but it will be reacted upon. It, your reaction will be on the outside. You want to know why some people are just so short-fused? They, they, they may not be honest about it, but there's a whole lot of people that are just full of, uh, of anger and they're always looking to chew somebody up and spit them out. They're, they're, they're mean. 
mean and ornery and, and, and never have no joy. Why? Well, there's a good chance that they are bitter about something. And what happens is that bitterness, that root, eventually produces fruit. And you can hide it for so long, but eventually what's deep down on the inside will come out when the root produces fruit. Talk about bitterness today. So what causes bitterness? Stay with me this morning. What causes? Well, when something or someone brings hurt or harm to another who feels undeserving of that hurt or harm. When something or someone brings hurt or harm to another who feels used or taken advantage of. You know what you'll quickly do if you're not careful? You will become bitter. How many of y'all has ever been done wrong and you and, and it, it hurts you, sure, but that thing eat at you and eat at you because you did not deserve that. Amen. Can I get a witness? Yeah. You ever been a good friend to somebody and all and then they just turn around and cut you and stab you in the back? You never done nothing to deserve it. And and six years down the road when somebody brings up their name, it still it still makes you cringe on the inside. Come on, somebody. Some of y'all still got those names and places. You know what that tells me? You may not realize it, but you have bitterness. I didn't deserve that. Maybe you didn't. And I'm, sure, I'm not saying that you did. But it still does not give us a right to hold on to bitterness. You know where a lot of bitterness takes place? In the four walls of the house of God. Yeah. People of God. Children of God. Supposedly brothers and sisters. Yeah. Come on. And they do you wrong. Yeah. They lie about you. Come on somebody. Yeah. Talk about, I'm talking about the church world. Yeah. It's easy to get bitter out there. But it's a whole lot easier to get bitter in here. Because these are people we love. These are people we hold to high esteem. These are people that we we have entrusted and we have placed our faith and confidence in. But that's again why the Bible tells us that we should not put our faith and confidence and trust in man but in the Lord. Why? Because men will fail you. How many of y'all can go down the road somewhere in your life and it wasn't just a person in the church, it was the preacher at the church? And you're bitter. Bitterness will kill you. I don't have to tell you. It will kill you. You you look at somebody and think, bless God, I've never done anything for them to treat me that way. And if you don't deal with that, ten years down the road, just the mention of their name still makes you cringe. Why? You have bitterness. I don't know this to be fact in here, but I have learned in a very short time we never know what's really happened in people's lives. I was preaching Wednesday night in a a Williamson, South Carolina, and I was preaching and there was a a row of girls, all all teenage girls, the front row was teenage girls. And I told you, God, right before church, I mean, I was 
just scratch my little hanky go change my third point completely. And I didn't know why I preached this message probably five or six times. And, but God said, hey, I, he showed me something else. He said, I want you to preach it this way tonight. It's okay. And it was over in Exodus. And if we'll get to it either tonight or either this morning or tonight, it was over in Exodus where, where uh, the children of Israel, you know, they come, they come out of the Red Sea experience and, and then they go straight into Mara, which means bitter. And the Bible says there that that uh, they begin to murmur against Moses. Not about Moses, not, not to others, but they begin to murmur against Moses. And Moses is not the problem. So we see that Moses, what did he do? The Bible said he, he went, he cried to the Lord, and the Lord showed him a tree. Exodus chapter 15. And the Bible said it was when that tree was hewn down and it fell into those bitter waters that those bitter waters were made sweet. And so I preached on bitterness in that third point. And I got to talking about how that your bitterness can be made sweet. We'll get to that eventually. Either this morning or tonight. But when I was preaching, I felt a nudge. I was talking about people doing you wrong and Preachers letting you down, so on and so forth. And then, out of nowhere, the whole, I'm telling you, the Lord just nudging. And I said, Some of y'all in here, and I, I looked at them, all the girls, I said, Probably, I didn't through here somewhere. You got abused. You've been taken advantage of. You've been molested. And that ain't like me to say things like that just off the cuff at a visiting church. And I said, probably some back there, and God's my witness. Four or five broke. There was one of them, a grown woman. I'm talking about she went to pieces. And I just kept preaching about that bitterness. And I said, you're bitter. You're bitter, you're bitter, but you don't have to be. And I got to preach on that. How that it's not for them. You don't forgive for them. Right. You forgive for you. Right, man. I had no idea when I began to preach that that it was really that there was there was four actually. And they came to me after service. There's four different ones. And Brother Rob had come to me, the pastor, and he said, Brother, I have never seen God stop somebody and make them deal directly with an issue like that. I've been here seventeen years, I've never seen that. But he said, them girls and that lady have been so bogged down with bitterness. And he said, I, 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 you know, he's trying to help them. And he's, he's done everything he can do. But they had to have a special visit. Yeah. And God named it. He said, nobody in this church knew that except for them girls. It's not been talked about. It's not been shared. It's not been spread. It's not been a prayer request. He said the only people that knew was the women, me, and God. And their God had Why? Because bitterness is a real problem. Amen. There may be somebody here today. Come on, preacher. It's not a preacher that done you wrong. Or maybe it was. Maybe it was a preacher that done you wrong. You know, the same as it is, sometimes preachers are predators. Yeah. Yes, sir. Right. Sad as that is. Maybe, maybe it was not in the church. Maybe it was at home. It was your own family. Yeah. My mother can tell you stories of things she's seen growing up in her own family. Perversion. And those things, brother, said, if we're not careful, 
will make you I didn't realize how close to home some of this was until a couple months ago. My sister began to share things with me and my parents. We never knew. Some of it happened at the church. I ain't trying to spread your business. I'm just saying, we never know. We lived our whole lives in the same region, didn't know. And still, the thoughts of that, you know what it does? There's hatred. There's a fire of anger and wrath that burns inside of her heart. What is she? You condemn her? No. Honestly, don't blame her. But even if we had a right, don't you understand something? You're always going to be the victim as long as that bitterness lives inside. Yes, sir. You're right. So-and-so's living their life. They didn't care about you. They don't care about you. You're right. Exactly right. Some of you are bitter because you would have never gone down that road had it not been for such and such. You would have never experienced that had it not been for such and such. You would have never felt that had it not been for such and such. And if you're not careful, you allow bitterness to overwhelm you and overcome you and eventually it will kill you. Yes, sir. Some of you may be better with people. Disagreements. So many of them, you know what happens? So many times fighting the same battle with the same person, we get bitter. Yeah. We might as well get honest today. This is where God's put me. So I know that's where I'm supposed to be. Right, yeah. Sister Geneva, I'm not sure not saying this, but sometimes it ain't people. Sometimes I've got it listed in three areas. Sometimes it's problems. Yeah, yeah. Sure. That back can make you big. Yeah. yeah. Brother Isaac. Yeah. Some of you others just got physical ailments and issues. I've been faithful. Such and such down here that's selling crack and drinking and robbing and stealing and cheating. They ain't got no issues. Here I am, Lord. I mean, I'm trying to wait a while that you preach you and I can't even stand up. I can't sit. I can't sleep. I can't walk. I, I'm hurt. I'm in pain. Problems can make you bitter. People can make you bitter. Sure. But problems can make you bitter. Yes. What I've come to tell you this morning though is this. You're going to have to deal with this. Just because you cut the head of it off every now and then does not mean it's going away. There's a root. People uh, will allow you to become bitter problems. What about persecution? You ever had somebody just after you? Never done nothing to them, but they hate your guts and they want you and everybody else to know it. Persecution. Brother Josh, they lied on me. You going to let that ruin you? Brother Josh, they're making up stories. I never said that. Are you going to allow their stories to kill you? What about this? Not just persecution, but what about punishment? You can become bitter over punishment. By the way, 
Sometimes punishment is dished out and it shouldn't be, but sometimes we deserve it. And even when we deserve punishment, if you're not careful, if you look at that thing with the wrong perspective, you know what you're going to become? Sometimes God has to punish me. Listen, it's not His fault if He has to punish me. It's my fault. I hate to say this. As a pastor, I have, I have been wrong at times in punishing others. And they haven't came here. And there's been other times I have been right. They haven't came here. Yeah. So what's the key? You cannot allow, whether wrong or right, you cannot allow punishment, persecution, problems, or people to plant a root of bitterness on the inside of your heart. Why? Because you're killing yourself. Yes, sir. I know this is different, and I, I don't preach on stuff like this much, but this is where God's got me. And I don't want you to sit here week in and week out, Sunday after Sunday and year after year and decade after decade with the root of bitterness in your heart. It's holding, not just holding you down, it's holding us down. I wonder how much more you could be doing for God if you was not bitter. I wonder how better your marriage could be. Not knock us anybody home. You know, bitterness doesn't always mean you absolutely just hate the person. Sometimes it don't get that far, but sometimes you just get really resent. You're full of resentment. And you're full of, I'm looking for a word and I can't find it. Where you do things on purpose. Spiteful. You know where that comes from? Bitterness. Maybe it's not in the marriage. Maybe it's with a co-worker, friend, or a brother or sister. Come on, somebody. I don't know. I've been a brother my whole life, and I always heard the card, your mom's favorite. (laughs) Which I am. And I don't blame her. I've heard the same about little baby Rose up here. That's mama's favorite. He probably is, bless his heart. But Miss Long, you can't be bitter towards him now. <laughs> you can't be bitter. Come on, somebody. I know, but this is practical pastoral preaching. I know we ain't camp meeting today, but you this I'm not called to have camp meeting every week. I'm called to deal with the church on issues that are real life issues. You can get bitter, and maybe it has nothing to do with nobody or nothing at church, but it's still a root of bitterness. Maybe it's at the workplace. You're still affecting what you can do for God. Bitterness. May I say no matter whomever or however bitterness occurs, it always produces the same results in those who possess it. It produces hatred, anger, resentment, payback. Yet bitterness, listen here, is never ever satisfied. I'm going to prove it to you in Scripture. That person you're bitter at, if you could shoot them, kill them dead, and get by with it, can I tell you something? It would not satisfy your bitterness. 
Oh, if I could just get my hands on them, it, it still wouldn't satisfy your bitterness. Because the root of the problem really is not so and so. It's you. And it's what you're holding to and what you're harboring on the inside. That's what bitterness is. So if I could, I want to look at three different scenarios in the Bible. Are you all okay? I've only been preaching 30 minutes. Three different scenarios where bitterness is dealt with. We will look at three different angles this morning. Concerning bitterness. First of all, we'll look at how bitterness occurs. Then we'll look at what its outcome is. And then we will look at how to overcome it. All right? Turn with me. We're going to turn a little bit now. You got your Bibles? Turn with me to 2 Samuel chapter 11. We'll give you three scenarios. And we'll be done. Three scenarios. 2 Samuel chapter number 11. We're going to look at how bitterness occurs, what the outcome of bitterness is, and how to overcome bitterness. 2 Samuel chapter number 11. We're going to do a little Sunday school lesson right here. Look at verse 3. 2 Samuel chapter 11, verse 3. Are you there? Say amen. amen. 2 Samuel eleven three. The Bible said, And David sent and inquired after the woman. And one said, Is not this Bathsheba the daughter of Eliam, the wife of Uriah the Hittite? If you mark in your Bible, underline the daughter of Eliam. Bathsheba, underline Bathsheba, the daughter of Eliam. If you're taking notes, Write that down. Daughter, Bathsheba, the daughter of Eliam. Now go with me in 2 Samuel chapter number 23. I'm going to paint a picture right here and I want you to see something. 2 Samuel chapter 23. Look in verse 34. Second Samuel 23, 34. If you're there, say amen. We're not going to read the first part. I can't say the words right. and It has nothing to do with what I'm preaching on, so we're going to skip it. But everybody see where it starts with Eliam? Everybody see that? Eliam, the son of Ahithophel. Underline that. Write that down. Eliam, the son of Ahithophel. So Bathsheba is the daughter of who? And Eliam is the son of who? Ahithophel. All right. So Eliam's Bathsheba's father, and Ahithophel is Eliam's father. Now go with me to Second uh, Samuel sixteen. While you're turned there, I want to read you, or I just want to let you know. You can write this down in First Chronicles twenty-seven thirty-three. Ahithophel is David's good counselor, the psalmist David, King David. 1 Chronicles 27.33, we'll find Ahithophel is David's counselor. But notice what happens here in 2 Samuel 16. Look at verse 23. 2 Samuel 16, verse 23. If you're there, say amen. And the counsel of Ahithophel, which he counseled in those days, was as if a man had inquired at the oracle of God. So was all the counsel of Ahithophel both with David and with Absalom. You know what we just read? 
Not only is Ahithophel David's counselor, but the Bible says that when you when Ahithophel would counsel, it was as if a man had inquired at the oracle of God. In other words, the counsel that Ahithophel would give to David literally was like it came directly from the mouth of God. You talk about a good counselor. The Word of God said it was like it came from the oracle or the mouth, the speaking of God. But we see in our verse that David's great counselor, Ahithophel, is not only counseling David, but in, our, but in this verse he's also counseling Absalom. And how many of y'all know what Absalom did? He overthrew David. He wanted to kill David, exterminate David. So go with me now to 2 Samuel 15. I'm going to show you something. I'm painting a picture. 2 Samuel 15, look at verse 31. The Bible said, And one told David, saying, Ahithophel is among the conspirators with Absalom. And David said, O Lord, I pray thee, turn the counsel of Ahithophel into foolishness. Now, go with me to 2 Samuel chapter number 17. I'm going somewhere now. Stay with me. 2 Samuel chapter number 17, look at verse 1. If you there, say amen. amen. The Bible said, Moreover, Ahithophel said unto Absalom, Let me now choose out 12,000 men, and I will rise and pursue after David this night. And I will come upon him while he is weary and weak-handed, and will make him afraid, and all the people that are with him shall flee, and I will smite the king only. And I will bring back all the people unto thee, the man whom thou seekest is after as if all returned, so all the people shall be in peace. So what have we just read? Ahithophel says, hey, Absalom, I'll go tonight. I'll set it up. Nobody else will be harmed, but the king, King David, will die at my hand. Does everybody see that? Go to 2 Samuel chapter number 11. Why in the world with this great counselor turn on David. 2 Samuel chapter number 11. Verse 1, It came to pass after the year was expired at the time when kings go forth to battle that David sent Joab and his servants with him and all Israel and they destroyed the children of Ammon and besieged Rabbah. But David tarried still at Jerusalem. It came to pass in the evening time that David arose from off his bed and walked upon the roof of the king's house. And from the roof he saw a woman washing herself and the woman was very beautiful to look upon. David sent and inquired after this woman and one said, Is not this Bathsheba the daughter of who? The wife of Uriah the Hittite. We know the story. For sake of time, I'm not going to read it. What does David do? He commits adultery. He takes advantage of Bathsheba. She don't really have an option. He's the king. She's either going to do what he says or die, and she knows it. And then what happens? I don't have time to read it in 2 Samuel 11. What happens? David, uh, she comes to David and says, Guess what? I'm expecting a child. David then sends for Uriah, her husband, and tries every way in the world to get him to sleep with her. Gets him drunk and everything. But he will not walk into the house where his wife is because he's loyal to the men and to the war that's taking place. So what does, Uriah, or what does David do with Uriah after so many failed attempts? He writes a letter. 
and sends the letter by the hand of Uriah, says place him in the hottest battle on the front line. We're going to get rid of this man and Uriah dies. Go with me now to 2 Samuel chapter 12. I don't have time to read all this, but the Lord sends a preacher to him, Nathan, to David. Gives him, an, gives him an example of what he's done. And David says, well, I can tell you right now, whoever's done this, they deserve to die. And, and then Nathan tells him, well, thou art the man. But then notice it down in verse number, uh, verse, verse number, uh, yeah, verse number seven. And Nathan said to David, thou art the man, thus saith the Lord God of Israel, I anointed thee king over Israel, and I delivered thee out of the hand of Saul, I gave thee thy master's house and thy master's wives into the bosom, and gave thee the house of Israel and Judah. And if that had been too little, I would moreover have given unto thee such and such things. Wherefore hast thou despised the commandment of the Lord to do evil in his sight? Thou hast killed Uriah the Hittite with a sword, and hast taken his wife to be thy wife, and hast slain him with the sword of the children of Ammon. Now therefore the sword shall never depart from thine house because thou hast despised me and thou hast taken the wife of Uriah the Hittite to be thy wife. Notice verse 11 Thus saith the Lord, Behold, I will raise up evil against thee out of thine own house and I will take thy wives before thine eyes and give them unto thy neighbor and he shall lie with thy wives in the sight of this son. Uh, for thou didst secretly, but I will do this thing before all Israel and before the son. And David said unto Nathan, I have sinned against the Lord. And Nathan said unto David, The Lord also hath put away thy sin Thou shalt not die, how be it? Because by this deed thou hast given great occasion to the enemies of the Lord to blaspheme, the child also that is born unto thee shall surely die. Nathan departed unto his house, and the Lord struck the child that Uriah's wife bare unto David, and it was very sick. And David therefore besought God for the child. And David fasted and went in and lay all night upon the earth. And the elders of his house arose and went into him and uttered him from the earth, but he would not, neither did he eat bread with them. It came to pass on the seventh day that the child died. What are you saying, Brother Josh? I'm wanting to show you how bitterness occurs. It is here that David and Ahithophel uh, are closer than anybody else is to David in David's life. Ahithophel is the great godly counselor. And the Bible said it's like the oracles of God were being spoken when Ahithophel would counsel David. But uh, these two, they trust one another. They fellowship with one another. They love one another. They respect one another. Yet Ahithophel turns on David and wants him to die. Why? Has anybody ever looked into that? I've heard many preachers preach on how friends will turn their back on you using the life the life of Ahithophel and David, but never heard anybody really digest and dive into why Ahithophel done this. Can I tell you why? He's bitter. He's bitter. What, why, why is he bitter? Well, when we go back to 1 Samuel or 2 Samuel chapter number 11, David sleeps with a woman named Bathsheba who just so happens to be Ahithophel's granddaughter. We read that, right? She's the daughter of Eliam. And guess who the father of Eliam is? Ahithophel. So Eliam is his son and Bathsheba is his granddaughter. And not only does the best friend of Ahithophel sleep with his granddaughter, but then he kills her husband to cover up that she's pregnant. Well, along comes the baby. She's now David's wife. 
Ahithophel's best friend. And in 2 Samuel chapter number 12, now the great-grandchild of Ahithophel dies a tragic death. And whose fault is it? Does everybody see how bitterness occurs? Let me point something out to you. David never directly done anything wrong to Ahithophel. Catch this. Bitterness does not always occur because someone hurt you. Maybe it's because someone hurt someone else that you love. Is everybody seeing that? Ahithophel, the most trusted man in David's life, a man David would die for, now seeks his death. Can I say that uh, he's upset, he's bitter because, and, and, and look, from the outside looking in, brother, brother Chris, we would say, I don't blame Ahithophel. Look what he's done. He's destroyed his life. By the way, you'll find this if you go study it too. Guess what Elam was? His son, Ahithophel's son, was a dear friend of Uriah's. They were both men of war. They were fighting together. And here's David at the time when kings are supposed to be in battle. Guess what David's doing? He's looking down on naked women, sleeping with them, killing their husbands. And then the result of his sin is the child has to die. So not only has, has Ahithophel lost the, uh, the, 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 the grandson by marriage, if you will, uh, Uriah, and he's lost his daughter, uh, in a, his granddaughter in a sense that she is in a com- complete disaster. Imagine where she's living right now. She's lost her husband and her child and her marriage. She's been defiled. She's almost been forced into a relationship. And this is the man's best friend that's done every bit of this. Does everybody see how it can occur? It don't have to be direct. Follow me right here. If you're not careful, you'll get bitter at people and they've never done anything wrong to you. Some of y'all love me. I really think you do. Somebody's just going, one of these days, it's already happened a little, one of these days somebody's going to make the biggest fuss and cuss and they're going to say horrible things about me. Now, it didn't hurt you, but they hurt your preacher. Can I tell you what you better not do? You better not get bitter. See how it occurs? Can I give you the outcome of bitterness? I'm hurrying. Don't die on me. Stay with me. We got just a few minutes. Ten minutes, I'll be done. Take, go, go, go with me now to 2 Samuel again, chapter number 17. I'm going to show you, I showed you how it occurs. Did Bathsheba deserve to be pulled away from her marriage and taken advantage of? Did Uriah deserve to die? Did that little baby deserve to die? Did Ahithophel deserve to have to sit back and watch all this? But it happened. And that's how bitterness occurs. But what's the outcome of bitterness? I've told you the whole time, bitterness will kill you. Look with me. In 2 Samuel 17, look at verse 15. Then said Hushai unto Zadok to Abathar the priest, Thus and thus did Ahithophel counsel Absalom, the elders of Israel, and thus and thus have I counseled. Now therefore sin quickly and tell David, saying, Lodge not this night in the plains of the wilderness, but speedily pass over, lest the king be swallowed up and all the people that are with him. And John, now Jonathan and uh, 
Uh, oh, something other me eyes, amen, go to God. Stay by in Rogel. <laughs> For they might not be seen to come into the city. And a witch went and told them, and they went and told King David. Now look, nevertheless, a lad saw them and told Absalom, but they went both of them away quickly and came to a man's house in Barum, which had a well in his court, whither they went down. Now notice. And the woman took and spread a covering over the well's mouth and spread the corn thereon, and the thing was not known. And when Absalom's servants came to the woman, uh, to the house, they said, Where is that man and Jonathan? And the woman said unto them, They be gone over the brook of the water, and when they had sought and could not find them, they returned to Jerusalem. Notice. It came to pass after they were departed that they came up out of the well and went and told King David and said unto David, Arise, pass quickly over the water, for thus hath Ahithophel counseled against you. And David arose and all the people that were with him, and they passed over Jordan by the morning light. There lacked not one of them, and that was not gone over Jordan. Verse 23. And when Ahithophel saw that his counsel was not followed. Time out. What counsel has just been given? He's just, been give, he's just given counsel on how to kill David. Because he's bitter. Well, there's a, there's a leak in the council. And there's a, there's a spy, if you will, that goes and reveals this. And so David does not die. He gets counseled away from the council that was to kill him. And when Ahithophel, verse 23, saw his counsel was not followed, he saddled his ass and arose and got him home to his house, to his city, and put his household in order. And what? And what? You see how bitter he was with David? He's failed attempt after attempt to kill him. And here's where Ahithophel got to. If I can't kill him, I'm so bitter, I'll kill myself. Can I tell you why some people commit physical suicide? Everybody says, well, they just have, must have just been depressed. Maybe they weren't depressed. Maybe they're bitter. They never could get the revenge they thought so-and-so deserved. They were molested as a child and nothing ever happened. What never prosecuted. Life went on as normal. And they eat at them and eat at them and eat at them. And they could see no way to ever feel like what was supposed to happen in judgment and righteousness and, and imprisonment or whatever it is, the penalty uh, that should be in, 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 uh, put in place never would happen. So if they could not watch someone suffer that they were bitter with, they'd assume take their own life. Yeah. There's some people, though, that will die. They'll not die physically, Brother Chris. They'll die spiritually. Can I say you can commit spiritual suicide? You can allow bitterness to rule and reign so low that you hang yourself, spiritually speaking. Ahithophel dies because of his bitterness. Lastly, and I'm done. How do we overcome it? James chapter 3 verse 11 says this, Doth the fountain send forth at the same place sweet at water and bitter? May I say too many times folks refuse to admit that they're bitter, but my friend, some of you have allowed that root to grow for so long that your bitterness is no longer concealed. Your root of bitterness has produced fruit of bitterness and that's why there's no sweetness in your life. We find Naomi was bitter. Do y'all remember when Naomi went back home to Bethlehem, Judah? 
Stay with me now. Seven minutes. The Bible said they gathered around Naomi and said, is this Naomi? She said, no longer call me Naomi. Call me Mara. For God hath dealt bitterly with me. Last place we'll turn. Go to, go to the book of Exodus chapter 15. This is where God had me the other night. That, I, that He really began to work this in my heart on bitterness. Exodus 15, look at verse 22. The Bible said in verse 22, So Moses brought Israel from the Red Sea. They went out to the wilderness. Sure, and they went three days in the wilderness, found no water. When they came to Mar, they could not drink of the waters of Mar, for they were bitter. Therefore, the name of it was called Mar. And the people murmured against Moses, saying, What shall we drink? And he cried unto the Lord, and the Lord showed him a tree, which the waters were... Uh, excuse me, which when he had cast into the waters, the waters were made sweet. There he made for them a statute and an ordinance, ordinance, and there he proved them. Now, I said that's the last place. Go one little more place. Go with me to Luke 22, and this is the last place. So what are you saying? Well, we find bitterness in Exodus. What does Moses do? He calls on the Lord, and the Lord shows him a tree. And the Bible said when that tree was hewn down into the bitter waters, those bitter waters became what? They became sweet. So how do we overcome bitterness? This is it right here. It's simple. It's how you overcome it. Look in uh, Luke 22 verse 33. We'll be done. Luke twenty two thirty three. The Bible said, and he said unto them, Lord, I am ready. Let me make sure I'm in the right place. Luke twenty two thirty three. No, Luke twenty three. I'm sorry, Luke twenty three. Excuse me. Luke twenty twenty three thirty three. And when they were come to the place which is called Calvary, they there they crucified him, and the male factors, one on the right hand and, one, and the other on the left. Then said Jesus, notice this, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. They parted his raiment, cast lots, people stood beholding, the rulers went, so on and so forth. We understand this is the crucifixion of Jesus Christ. Now I say, if anybody has ever had the right to be bitter, it would have been Jesus. Why? Because he was lied on, falsely accused, beaten, spat upon, made fun of, scourged, mocked, ridiculed, rejected, and crucified. Yet, he prays one prayer concerning mankind. What did he pray? Father, forgive them. Let me ask you a question. Why did he pray that prayer? When he prayed that, did any of them Roman soldiers receive salvation? When he prayed that, was, was it for their sympathy so they would sympathize with him? When he prayed it, what was it for? It was for his personal standing. What do you mean? Well, last time I read my Bible, Jesus was 100% God. But he was also 100%. And you know what the man side of the Son of God wanted to be? Come on, somebody. Stay with me. Two more minutes. Bitterness. He had to fight 
bitterness because the Bible said, how do you know that? He was tempted in all points as we are, yet without sin. He looked around, my friend, you better know he was hurt. You better know he'd been harmed. He'd been used and abused. He did not deserve anything that happened to him. Even Pilate said, I find no fault in him. Yet the people poured out nothing but wrong, hate, neglect, harm, and hurt on him. But Jesus, being 100% God, 100% man, he praised this prayer so that bitterness did not kill him and destroy him, but rather he destroyed bitterness on the cross. Now I say all but one of his disciples had tucked tail and ran. Judas was his friend. The Bible said he called him friend and he sold him out. Sold him unto death for thirty, for mere 30 pieces of silver. But what did Jesus do? He did the same thing that you and I must do. In order to overcome bitterness, he forgave them all. May I say, forgiveness is not for the benefit of those who have harmed and hurt you. Forgiveness is for you this morning. It will keep you from death and it will give you life. Why did Jesus die? A pleasing, sacrificial death to God the Father. Not just because He became man, but because He never sinned. And even in all areas, even in the area of bitterness. How do you overcome it, preacher? Here's how. Forgive. But I can't. Yes, you can. And here's how you'll do it.